This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You're listening to Puma Podcast. Don't you think it's weird how even in Tagalog, we write in English? Well, not exactly English. For Tagalog, Ilocano, Ilonggo, and many other languages spoken in the Philippines, we use the Latin alphabet. That's the Western alphabet we were all taught in nursery. Whether you say ABCDs or abacada. But we have our own writing system that has fallen out of favor in the last hundred years or so. Let's talk about Baybayin. The script our Filipino forefathers used to write about their lives. I'm Siege Nantenko Malolos, a history nerd, and I took one Baybayin class during the pandemic. And I'm Sab Schnabel, a historian and the managing editor of an online magazine called Journalism. That's journalixm.com. And today, we have a very special guest, my Baybayin teacher. Hi, I'm Howie Severino. My real name is Horacio. I was named after a Jesuit historian. I've been a full-time journalist since 1988. And I've been doing documentaries on Philippine TV since 1999. And currently, I'm also employed at GMA Network. But I do have this interest in Baybayin. So take out a pen and paper and get ready to rethink everything you know about how to write in Filipino. Or at least Tagalog. Let's start with the Pearl of the Orientation. When was Baybayin invented? We have no way of knowing that. But what we do know is that when the Spanish came here, we were already speaking our own languages and writing in our own scripts. When the Spaniards first arrived to explore the Philippines in the 16th century, the first explorers and their chroniclers observed that we were a literate society. That these islanders, and it's not just one or two, as almost all the Spanish explorers made that observation. You know, so they corroborated each other in saying that we were a literate people. No, and they were amazed because, siguro, marami silang ibang napuntahan na hindi marunong magsulat o magbasa. By the time the Spanish showed up, we were already putting down recordings of our daily lives. There is evidence of several writing systems present in the Philippines. You might have heard of the Laguna Copper Plate inscription. That wasn't written in Baybayin, but in a script closer to the Indonesian Kawi script, another ancient writing system. Because there have been archaeological digs that have found very old artifacts with some variation of native scripts. You know, there's the Laguna Copper Plate that was found more than a thousand years old. And that's on copper, no? That writing there is similar to writing that has been found down in Indonesia. So maaring doon dumaan, but many Asian writing systems originated in India from where people who knew writing systems traveled eastward to East Asia 
and apparently taught their writing system to many people in this part of the country, a part of the world, and not just the Philippines, Southeast Asia, and even North Asia. Their native scripts on, well, maybe even Jap- Japanese and Korean were influenced by Sanskrit. This implies we had translators, scribes, and many other writing professions. We were literate people before the conquistadors and colonizers showed up. But back to Baybayin. Okay, there have been some misinterpretations and even big misnomers, no? Because for a long time, Baybayin was called Alibata. And that was based on the mistaken notion that uh, the roots of Baybayin were Arabic. But subsequent scholarship showed, even actually, this was already established even much earlier by T.H. Parra de Tavera, you know, one of Rizal's best friends. He was a linguist. He did a study on scripts. He studied Sanskrit and determined that Sanskrit had a huge influence on many Asian writing systems. So Sanskrit is actually most likely the roots of Baibayin, like hundreds and hundreds of years ago. This is further proof of our involvement in the monsoon marketplace. We were trading with polities as far away as India. We talked about this a little in the Balangay episode from season one of this podcast. We were trading with different cultures all over Southeast Asia and the Asian subcontinent, evidenced by ceramics found in the Philippines that came from China and gold statues depicting Hindu deities. Okay, so Dumating Mga Kastila, they studied by Bayin. We know that because they actually wrote books. You know, the first catechism was written in by Bayin. There was a by Bayin version, yung Doctrina Christiana. The book Howie is talking about is the Doctrina Christiana. It's the oldest book in the islands. It's written in Spanish, Tagalog, and then transcribed in by Bayin. The book features prayers in multiple languages and is a treasure trove for modern historians who want to learn about by Bayin. Baybayin, by its nature, was a highly abbreviated script. You had to understand from context a lot of what was being written. Similar to today, I think the millennials and Gen Zs of today can relate to that much better than, say, much, much older people. Because you do it today. You abbreviate your writing. Like when you're texting, you're writing LOL. Everyone knows what that means, right? You write K. There are hundreds of those acronyms, emojis, etc., so, TLDR, Gen Z speak, and shortcuts have always been a thing. So, our ancestors were doing the same thing, and they were doing it out of necessity for a similar reason, but with different technology. They would write with bladed tools because there was no pen and ink, there was no paper. It was only the Europeans that introduced paper and ink to the Philippines and the printing press, of course. For a lot of the natives, they were, even when the Spaniards were here, they were still writing with bladed tools. So you can imagine how difficult it is to be writing with bladed tools. So it was very impractical to be writing long words, long. So rather than write laughing out loud, they would have their equivalent of LOL. But if you look at the documents during the Spanish period, when people were already writing with pen and ink, yeah, because it was so easy to be writing, so many strokes and so many. If you're writing with a bladed tool, you cannot be so florid. Right? And yet, the script was still beautiful. It has an elegant simplicity, which by buying enthusiasts just love. We just love the fact that despite the limitations of the writing technology in those days, our ancestors still had this aesthetic, which we've retained today as modern Filipinos. 
you know, that was part of our civilization. But, you know, we were using our native script primarily for poetry and messaging. We were not writing scientific literature or novels using Baybayin, or not that I know of, because there are very few remnants of pre-colonial writing that exist because our ancestors were writing mostly on perishable material like bamboo or banana leaves, or they were writing with stones or shells on beaches or on earth. No, so, di natin masabi. Nevertheless, we did have a native writing system, and it had several variations all across the islands. There is evidence of different writing systems all over the Philippines, and there are many sources about that. But if we thought that our written history started when the Spaniards came, then surprise! Yep, as far back as the year 900, there has been writing in the Philippines. This history is evolving as we go, but it's so cool to know that despite what we may have thought of our ancestors, they were literate people who kept records and knew several languages. Our ancestors were sophisticated, multilingual, and multicultural, like we are now, just in their own context. But what happened to Baybayin after the Spanish came and introduced Latin writing on paper? For hundreds of years, Baybayin wasn't used by Filipinos. But it was revived at the end of the 19th century when a ragtag army in need of a shower somehow defeated a global superpower and decided to revive something quintessentially Filipino, something that predated the Spanish. Up next, how the Katipunan brought back Baybayin. Every time I have friends from other countries visit the Philippines, they're always confused when they go to a museum and see the paintings or dioramas of Katipuneros holding flags that say KKK. I have to explain that this has nothing to do with the KKK in America. In fact, what we see with our Latin-trained eyes as KKK should have been read as Kakaka. Kataas-taasang, kagalang-galangang, katipunan ng mga anak ng bayan. The Katipunan used the Baybayin character for Ka, for short, on their flag. The character is made up of two wavy horizontal lines parallel to each other, connected by a vertical line in the middle. That's right, our Katipuneros were Baybayin nerds. It was a way of reclaiming what we had before the Spanish conquest. So that's Ka, no? To me, it's the most important character of all. It symbolizes connection. Ka, of course, is like the first syllable of many important words in Filipino. I don't want to just say Tagalog, no? There's kapatid. There's, you know, even now there are words like kapuso. You had words like kapwa and then kapayapaan. I mean, these are really important words in our language. And they all begin with the syllable ka. And it's no coincidence that Bonifacio who had met Rizal, and Rizal was a Baybayin enthusiast himself, no? and derived a lot of insights about Tagalog orthography from his studies of Baybayin. Uh, Bonifacio chose a name for his revolutionary movement that would use Ka, because he kind of knew almost instinctively that this symbolized much, much more than just a simple character in our script. No? So, so he named the revolutionary movement Kataastaasang Kagalanggalang, Katipunan ng anak ng bayan, right? So, in short, kakaka. In Latin, it would be kkk. And one final point, sorry, about Rizal and Bonifacio. And, and one reason why they wanted to propagate by buying is, 
and they were advocating the dropping of the Spanish C and adopting the Baybayin Ka in Tagalog orthography, is that they saw liberation as not just in terms of territory or politics. To them, liberation starts in the mind. And as long as we are trapped and have no choice in our minds but to express our indigenous spoken language in a foreign script, when Rizal was translating William Tell, the novel, the German novel, from German to Tagalog, he said, you know, Tagalog spelling and derivatives are very clunky. Well, he said this all in German also to, <laughs> to his friend Blumentritt. Blumentritt was a linguist. He was a Filipinist. And he and Rizal would talk about Tagalog grammar, Tirurai grammar and spelling and very geeky stuff, right? And in one of the letters of Rizal, you know, he shared this insight that occurred to him while he was translating William Tell to Tagalog. He said, the way we spell the sound ka is very impractical. And if we follow the logic and orthography, orthography, of course, is a system of spelling that's used in Baybayin. And if we apply it to Latin, the Latin spelling of Tagalog, it would be much more logical. I'll give you a quick example. I said before, before we spelled the ka sound with a C, remember? You know, even up to now, like words like, now, now we retain the Spanish C for place names like Kalookan. You don't normally spell Kalookan with a K. You spell it with a C. That's the Spanish spelling convention, no? But anyway, before common words, and not just proper words, were spelled with a C. Like, for example, Kain. That's not K, na? that's Kain, diba? In the old, old spelling using the Spanish C, diba? Now, naisip ni Rizal, but you cannot use the C when you start spelling the derivatives of kain, like kinain, kinain. You cannot, you cannot spell kinain this way. How do you pronounce that? You pronounce, in Spanish, you pronounce this sinain. So the way Rizal proposed it, well, okay, sabi ni Rizal, this is the way kain is this, kinain is not that, kinain is this. Diba? Get it? So you're switching, you're, you have to switch Consonants constantly, if you stick to the Spanish convention of using the C in spelling Tagalog words. Because C, the letter C in Spanish, was designed for Spanish words, not Tagalog words. So, sinabi ni Rizal kay Blumentritt, wouldn't it make Tagalog orthography or Tagalog spelling much more logical if we just adopted the bye-bye in ka? which in Latin would be K. Diba? So kinain, so you'd have kain, and to spell kinain, you don't have to spell it with a Q anymore. You spell it with the same consonant. So this kind of logic, we take granted today. Diba? This, this, is, this is like everyday spelling. But for hundreds of years, Filipinos had to spell Tagalog using the Spanish C and had to remember to keep changing the consonants when they were changing the tense of the word. Even back then, like palenque was not spelled with a K, it was spelled with a Q-U-E, diba? Now, you spell all the derivatives of the ka sound with a ka, which is derived from the bye-bye in ka, and si Rizal yung nakatuklas niyan, because there's a letter 
that I read in a compilation of a correspondence between Rizal and Blumentritt where they discussed this specifically. And then later on, siguro kinwento din Rizal kay Bonifacio ito. Kasi Bonifacio, despite his humble roots, was a learned man. No, He read Noli Mitangere in Spanish. Diba? So he understood. So in other words, Rizal had this big insight about Ka. Bonifacio took that insight and marketed it. He put it on flags. You know, he branded the revolutionary movement using Ka. And eventually, we adopted this as the spelling convention that we use today. You know, let's not forget, this had its origins in Baybayin, and Rizal derived his insight from studying Baybayin, and then Bonifacio took it to a different level. Bonifacio knew the importance of uniting behind a culture and a shared language, and he chose Baybayin. Its use for various languages in Luzon meant it could be a symbol of the northern indigenous Filipino identity. Eventually, in the 20th century, you know, modern Filipinos said, Oo nga, tama, itong si Rizal and Bonifacio. So it gives you an idea that if our revolutionary movement in 1896 succeeded, we would all be writing in Baybayin today. Because the nation's founders, the ones who imagined a Filipino nation, were big Baybayin enthusiasts, and they actually used it to market the revolutionary movement. It was going to be the native script of the new nation. Kaso... You know, 1899, dumating naman ang mga Amerikano. And the Americans said, you know, forget this native stuff. It's uncivilized. It's savage. Here came the benevolent assimilation of the United States. You know, we're going to set up a public school system so all of you can become literate in the white man's script, which we're still using today. When the Americans arrived, there was this big assumption that, you know, we were all savages. The rhetoric then of the colonizers was, you know, they came to civilize us. They paraded us. They displayed us in the United States at this World's Fair in St. Louis in 1904. They had like Filipino villages that kind of displayed Filipino culture to mostly white people. And so that's how we were depicted. That's also how we developed this so-called colonial mentality, which is basically a, a form of inferiority complex. And we look down on a lot of indigenous parts of our culture, even today. Right? There's a revival, but yeah, let's face it, we're more in love with foreign brands, with foreign cultures than we are with our own. There are many more young Filipinas who are studying Korean than who are studying by buying. So the challenge to us is to try to make our own indigenous cultures appealing and make it understandable, making it as accessible, because language is very intimately entwined with our identity. What would it be like to have Baybayin on road signs? Or have kids growing up learning it alongside their ABCs? When a country uses its own script, there is a pride that comes with being able to read and write in something that's truly ours. But let's be careful not to generalize Baybayin as the writing system for all Filipino languages. Again, Baybayin was largely used in the northern Philippines. There are many other scripts that were used elsewhere in our diverse archipelago. Maybe if we start emphasizing and remembering Baybayin, it'll lead the way for those systems to make a resurgence as well. What we can do now is try and remedy the mistakes of the past and learn more about our indigenous languages. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So let's say we do want to learn to write in by buy-in. How do we start? I mean, there's so much out there, but there's also so little that's official. Well, one place to start is Howie's by buying classes. We learned a lot in just a short time. In this country, in the Philippines, when we refer to language, it almost always refers to spoken language. It hardly ever refers to written language. For example, yung Commission ng Wikang Filipino, the Filipino Language Commission, language there is spoken. That's what they mean by Wika, because they don't produce materials in Baybayin. They produce books in our spoken language written in a foreign script. And we're not even conscious of that. We're not conscious of the fact that Latin is a foreign script. It's basically a universal script, but it's still a foreign script for us. And if once you start writing in Baybayin, my notebook, this is my notebook, I take notes in Baybayin, Once you start writing, you know, this is not a novelty. You know, this is not just for decoration for me. This is a form of communication. When I take notes, I take notes in bye-bye. And it's easy, you know. You are imbibing it, no? You're feeling it. It becomes part of your identity. It becomes part of your thinking. And I do this not just to set an example, you know, because all of us here are influencers, divine in our own way. But number two, it speaks to me. It makes me feel whole as a human being. So the secret is to just learn it. To get started. And if you're feeling intimidated by the thought of studying a new writing system, Howie says it's like writing in stenography or shorthand. It all comes down to practice. So for us students who took a class with Howie, he created a Viber group where everyone types in by buying using a keyboard app. You know, I was just reading an article this morning in the U.S. media about, you know, the revival of by buying in the Filipino diaspora. Uh, especially Filipino-Americans. And, you know, NBC News, an American reporter writing about by buy-in, he was saying it was a writing system for Tagalog, which is not true because there are specimens of buy-in that were found all the way down in Cebu. I mentioned Masbate earlier, and you had by buy-in in different parts of Luzon where not everyone speaks Tagalog. So it was not just a Tagalog writing system. And that notion about by buy-in is actually made people uh, oppose the teaching of Baybayin to, to everyone because especially people from non-Tagalog provinces think it's another attempt by Tagalogs to force their culture down the throats of everyone else. Right? But as I said, 
you know, there's this divorce document in 1647 that was signed in Iloilo in Baybayin. Yes, Iloilo, diba? The rest of the document was in Spanish, but the parties involved in this divorce signed their names in Baybayin. So that's evidence, you know, that's, that's far from the native Tagalog-speaking regions. A helpful tip to remember is that Baybayin means to spell or to syllabalize. It's a written form of many different languages, so it's not something that just belongs to Tagalog. At the same time, there are other writing systems that resemble or look to be derived from Baybayin from all over the Philippines. Now, coming back to how we rediscovered Baybayin in the 20th century, it was a cultural thing, a resurgence in pro-Pinoy thinking. And so there was a great deal of nationalist thinking and revival in all kinds of ways and actually led to political movements as well. No? So the 1960s was a very turbulent time, but 1961 was the centennial of Rizal, which produced a lot of uh, cultural outputs and commemorations. And that led to, in the mid to late 60s, that led to a revival of Filipino languages and a new respect for Filipino languages. And it, that has basically continued. But in terms of Baybayin, I think that has also coincided with a kind of a worldwide rise of Filipino third culture kids. Represent! In a lot of countries where, a lot of societies where Filipinos who were born and raised in those societies or who migrated there as young children start wondering about their identity, start exploring their Filipino identity, start learning about Filipino culture. And a big part of that is, you know, we have our own languages, we have our own scripts. A friend sent me a picture of a student, a Filipino student booth in Cornell during like a cultural festival there, where a Filipino-American student was writing everyone's names, all the students' names who wanted it, in Baybayin. This is at Cornell. This is in New York. This is in upstate New York, right? I've never seen something like that on a Filipino college campus where a Filipino college student set up something at a fair, at a college fair or event that advocated Baybayin. And during the lockdown, when I would be asked to speak about Baybayin online, there were more requests for me to teach Baybayin to college students in America than in the Philippines. I got requests from Carnegie Mellon I think it's natural because in, when you're in a multicultural society, you're much more conscious of your own otherness, your own cultural differences among people. We all have the same complexion. We can all speak the same languages, etc. So we're not so conscious of it. So America, no, everyone has to have an identity. And if you're a Filipino and you want to know who you are, you eventually end up with bye-bye. Learning Baybayin is another way to connect with our shared identity. And for a lot of Filipinos who are disconnected from home, moved abroad, or were born in other countries, it's a way to reconnect. So look at the lack of formality in Baybayin education as a sign that you can get into it on your own. You can start taking notes in Baybayin or use the characters to spell our Tagalog words. Just start. Once you get the hang of it, you'll find it's easy to think in the script. But after the break, we'll go ahead and give you some basics. Earlier, how we shared that Baybayin has a lot of curves and very few straight lines because our ancestors wrote with bladed tools. Hard angles were difficult to carve. But also, Baybayin symbols are based on nature and what our ancestors saw around them. 
That's ba. Okay? Now, most people who see it for the first time and don't read by buying, they say, oh, it's an upside-down heart because a heart, it's a much more familiar, you know. But this is ba. As he was explaining this, Howie wrote a few examples for us on sticky notes. The first was the character for the sound, ba. Baybayin is a syllabary, no? so one character represents a syllable rather than a letter. So that's one major distinction between many Asian scripts and Western writing. No? So Western writing, a lot of it is alphabet-based, so syllables have to be written with more than one character no? if there's a consonant and a vowel. No? But ito, this represents B-A, ba. No Baybayin scholar will say this is an upside-down heart, <laughs> although there's a debate about it. Uh, but I don't think there needs to be any disagreement. No? There's a school of thought in Baybayin studies that assert that this is the shape of a seashell, which could be. There are other scholars who say, well, it's no coincidence that it also resembles the female anatomy. And there's, it's no coincidence that ba is the first two syllables of ba ba e. See? So y- you see the logic behind it. I mean, you can never say that about the letter B. There's a lot in Baybayin that reminds you of nature. So a seashell, female anatomy, of course, humans are part of nature. No, Human anatomy is part of nature. All right, um, another example. The next character Howie showed us is used interchangeably for the E or E sounds. It's a smooth wavy line at the top with a squiggle underneath. What could it be? Mountains with clouds. It could be waves. It could be a wave with a breeze over it. I mean, you won't find this in Latin script or Russian script. I actually can write in Cyrillic script, and I can vouch. Their characters don't have the same poetry as ours do. And in the Latin script, the symbols are a lot more limited. They each only have one sound. Western scripts look more mechanical, right? They're more right angles, more... This is E or E. The vowel e or e. So the e and e are interchangeable, and it makes sense because you can pronounce certain words with the e or e sound depending on your region. Diba? Like ate siege. If you go to the Bisayas, you would be ati siege. And we Tagalogs make fun of that. Oh, mga Bisaya, they pronounce words wrongly. <laughs> but no, that's the way they pronounce e. It's e. By buying allows that, allows regional variations of pronunciations. They don't have like a separate character for E and a separate one for E. For them, it's the same. Making fun of regional accents is just another way that our colonizers divided us. And we still hear this colonial mentality today. Highlighting how different we are keeps us apart, when actually we have a lot more that ties us together. By disconnecting us from our writing systems, they started fissures in our identity that still aren't mended. But we've been confused for centuries and we don't even know it. What better way to confuse? And if you're confused, you're more easily manipulable. You're more easily controlled. We're using a foreign script with our language and we're making this adjustment without us recognizing it. It's colonial confusion. When we are made to follow a norm that just doesn't make sense in our context, like wearing Americana in the heat, or writing in a Latin script when our language just doesn't quite fit it. But if you look at other countries like, let's say, Korea or Thailand, right, it's where it's really their script everywhere. It's like they're imposing that 
And so the foreign scripts have to adjust. So what happens like in Korean is you have romanization systems for people who don't speak Korean to sort of read it. But then the funny thing is the romanization never gets it accurately right. There's always some confusion because Latin scripts can't capture certain sounds. And so what ends up is, you know, the foreigners are the one confused. It's not the locals. And yet, it's a question of who gets confused, right? It's like, we're the confused ones in our own country, where in other countries where it's their own script that's dominant, everyone's on the same page, and then you foreigners have to adjust to us. We Filipinos take pride in our good English and how easily tourists can get around our country. But what do we lose when we lose our original scripts? Turns out, more than we thought. Our forefathers were stolen from. An entire element of their identity was taken away. While yes, the priests and friars kept our languages orally, they took away our written language. And by severing that tie to our script, we're always going to feel just a little out of place. Because they were victims of disinformation. If you're cognitively kind of confused because you're forced to express your spoken language in a foreign script, parang you're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole rather than... When I write in by buy-in, I'm fitting a round peg in a round hole. It's an empowering feeling, and you're not going to feel that unless you do it. So that's why I do it. You should try it. Go online, learn by buy-in, and start writing Tagalog in its natural form. You'll be glad you did. Okay, you know what that says? Sab? I think it's sab. I think one of them is sab because of the buh sound. It's time for Quenta Corner. In this segment, we talk about something weird or wonderful from the story that we loved. Okay, I'm still fangirling over this. At some point in the interview, Howie pulled out a sticky note with something written in by Bayan. And as you might have guessed from the snippet you just heard, it was my name! Yep, that's Howie's party trick. He writes people's names in by Bayan. When I show people how to write their names in by Bayan, it immediately... They're immediately interested. A very common reaction is they will take a photo of it. And then they will send the screenshot to, like, their friends. And then they're going to come back to me and say, Oh, my friend is asking if you can write her name in Bye Bye in too. You should see all the faces Siege and I made when we realized what he wrote. Check out the video on the WhatsApp social media accounts after you listen to this episode. It might seem simple, but connecting with people in a way that brightens their day is totally worth learning a new writing system, if you ask me. I've done that hundreds, maybe thousands of times, and it never fails to create a certain bond with people. Even foreigners ask me to write their names. So... What I love about it is it's trendy, pero hindi siya mababaw. <laughs> it's a fad that will never go out of fashion. It's something that's political because in a way, it's, it's a form of rebellion against mainstream, against colonialism. But at the same time, it's not polarizing. I haven't met anyone who really objects to it, who didn't like seeing their name in Bye Bye. It makes breaking the ice so easy. You know, I mean, if you go to an event and you're sitting next to someone, let's say at dinner or waiting for a performance or something to happen, a ceremony, sometimes you just run out of things to talk about. And I'll ask the person I just met, you know, have you ever seen your name in Bye Bye? And, and they'll, usually they'll say no. And then I write it in Bye Bye. And then she will not run out of things to ask you. 
and you won't you run out of things to talk about. And you so you've bonded over something. It's so benign. Rather than listening to somebody's political opinion about something that you disagree with, parang it can ruin your evening, right? But if you talk about by mine, I mean, it's, it's something to bond over. There are so many things that divide us as a country, but this is one of the things that may have united us. Baybayin has been found all over the country, and variations of it run through the archipelago. So let's keep that spirit alive. The first step is to just start learning Baybayin. It's okay if you make mistakes. Think of it like building muscle in the gym. The more reps that you do, the better you get at it. And eventually, you'll be able to surprise your family and friends with their names in Baybayin too. Class dismissed. If you learned something new in this episode, share it with a friend. And let's keep our history alive together. Curious who our next guests are? Follow WhatsApp on social media for sneak peeks of our upcoming episodes. Check out Instagram at history.rebooted or facebook.com slash historyrebooted or Twitter at historyrebooted. Once again, I'm Siege Tantenko Malolos, Puma Podcast. I'm on social media at Siege the Day, C-E-E-J the Day, because I think you should seize the day. And I'm Sab Schnabel, Puma Podcast. And I'm on Twitter at Sabrina Schnabel, that's S-C-H-N-A-B-E-L, rhymes with cable. You can also read more from me at Journalism, that's journalixm.com. This episode of WhatsApp Araling Panlipunan Rebooted was produced by Nina Toralba and edited by Joe Salcedo and Mark Casillian. Art by Trix Casillian and thank you to Jeds Pascual for the recording assistance. 